재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Do you know what time it is? 그리빵 아빠의 안타까운 웃음을 We talked about it yesterday. We're going to talk about it more today. Uh, so what's happened in the uh, 24 hours or so when uh, the polls finally closed? And it was apparent that Donald Trump would pull off an upset and be elected the next president of the United States. Well, he did not win the popular vote. And we'll talk about that in more detail uh, later on, ultimately. And uh, we have seen that uh, certain people are not too pleased with the uh, election results. Thousands of demonstrators all across the country in major cities like uh, New York City, Chicago, Oakland, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Seattle, uh, just to name a few, few, came out uh, to voice their displeasure at the state of U.S. politics and this uh, change in leadership. You saw that the markets collapsed yesterday all over the world, including here in Korea. A lot of uh, Asian countries, including South Korea, a little bit concerned about what's going on. We've had some uh, last-minute emergency meetings between uh, political officials here in Korea on how to uh, deal with this new situation. Um, perhaps it signals a paradigm shift in Washington's uh, policies towards the Asia-Pacific region, but we'll talk about all of these in more details. Um, we've gotten a little better sense of what's going on, and to give us some of that analysis, very pleased to have from Kyung University, our good friend, Professor Song Sedian. Professor Song, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. I know we've always joked in the past about how Anchorsu was this sort of wave and he's going to come in and bring this f- kind of wind into politics and people are going to kind of uh, go with that passion. Um, you don't necessarily think the American voters had the same thing with, with Donald Trump, do you? Well, uh, well, first of all, Anchorsu is not president of Korea, so I guess no, that's the different not. thing uh, too. But. It's different. But, you know, you, there is there a large temptation to say that there there is a kind of uh, similar mood going on. I mean, you, you look at the uh, characterization of this this election, uh, a lot of people are saying it's a blue-collar revolution with uh, kind of Brexit kind of hype and, and the dynamics. Uh, people are fed up with uh, business as usual uh, kind of dynamics in Washington and, uh, and the big businesses, especially Wall Street. And uh, there is a sense that the Democratic Party uh, for the past eight years has kind of failed the the blue-collar agenda. And uh, probably this is not just the U.S. Uh, alone, but uh, all over the world uh, there are some displeasures uh, uh, lashed against the, the establishments. And uh, this one is a biggie. Uh, this one's a big one expressed in the U.S. Uh, presidential election. So uh, you can you can look at it that way as a extension of what has been happening in the world, kind of arriving in the U.S. in a, the big way. Uh, it's just the quirk is that the, the person that got benefit out of it is a very, uh, um, in some people's mind, the weird person with the, with the, the, the larger than life uh, kind of character in uh, real. Uh, yeah. And well, what is that? The reality TV. Never held elected office. Um, shows pretty much 
zero interest in in serious policy uh, analysis or or discussion or crafting um, uh, purports to have uh, support for things that are pretty much completely opposite of what the uh, traditional Republican Party has stood for 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 generations, including issues of trade and national security. Uh, but I just want to put a counterpoint on what you've been saying because that's a narrative I've heard as well, this uh, sort of um, blue-collar, uh, working-class sort of backlash against um, the uh, the moneyed interests of people who feel that they are out of touch because uh, I've also had a chance to really reflect on this and also look into some of the uh, uh, the data that has kind of come out uh, with how the voters voted. But when we say blue-collar backlash, um, yes, that was a case. But if mm-hmm. you look at the numbers – uh, there are blue collar people who are of color too. There are Hispanic blue collar. There are black, right. and those numbers are overwhelmingly um, supportive of the other candidate, Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, if and I know this is not a comfortable topic for people to 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 discuss openly, especially for Trump supporters, but. It was largely race-driven, despite whatever dem- demographics came out in, in bigger numbers, including in income groups of over $80,000 per year, supporting Trump, uh, by and large, in much higher percentages than Hillary Clinton. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to mix the colors. It's a white-blue-color revolution. Uh, a white lash, both, as some people have been saying. Right. Uh, in both the, the females, surprisingly, and also male as well. Yeah, I, and just yeah, just to give you that, because I think we talk about what went wrong and, and the finger pointing on the Democratic side, but uh, everyone was talking about historically first woman to to potentially be a president, and mm-hmm. you thought they're going to dominate the uh, the voting on the women's side, and women are the majority of the electorate, and Hillary Clinton indeed won women, but she lost the white women vote, fifty three percent of them voting for. Donald Trump. So again, a lot. If you look underneath, sort of the major demographics, it's still largely race-driven phenomenon. Right. Uh, but I think the the little bit of pushback is that uh, if you look at the overall result, uh, Donald Trump did pretty well across the board. I mean, you look at Latino votes and the black votes where uh, he didn't. Uh, you can look at it that way. But the the places where he kind of uh, uh, barely won uh, in in the swing states. I mean, the, the, those states were not supposed to be that close in the first place. So, I, I mean, there is a big push uh, from the 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 white blue color uh, the workers in, especially in the Rust Belt and uh, other swing states. Uh, but w- without the, the kind of a general support uh, coming from not only the the non college educated but college educated uh, sectors, uh, probably. Donald Trump would not have won. This was such a negative campaign. I think everyone can agree on that, whether right. you're a supporter of uh, uh, Clinton or, or Trump. And it was messy, it was nasty, and, and a lot of people just wanted to get it over with. But you thought, okay, there was going to be a lot of energized people because the people were going to come out and vote. But if you look at the numbers here, Hillary Clinton lost. She did win the popular vote. She lost. Right. Uh, Donald Trump won the Electoral College vote. But he got 2 million votes less than what John McCain received in 2008. He got 1 million less voters total mm-hmm. than what uh, uh, Mitt Romney received in 2012. But Hillary Clinton got 6.5 million votes less than what Obama received. And it was very clear that there was a, a depression of turnout and, and mm-hmm. that – Turnout largely affected Hillary Clinton negatively, especially among the youth and especially among uh, people of color who did vote for her in big numbers but did not come out in the same huge numbers that they did for Obama. Right. Uh, she had such a, 
compelling uh, platform to begin with. She is a woman, and she was champion for the black causes and the Latino causes. The Latino voters were increasing. So if you look at just look at that side of it, uh, when people assert that demographics is is a destiny, then she does have a very compelling uh, agenda. Uh, but uh, this time around, as you pointed out, she lost big uh, against all the predictions and all the prognostications. I think because the the, the momentum for change uh, was overwhelming, and that's why I kind of make it, uh, make a connection to Brexit and, and even the even the Occupy Wall Street and all those yeah. uh, momentums that built up. And I think that the comparison with the Anchorsu is kind of cogent in that okay. uh, sense because Anchorsu as a person was different from Anchorsu as a movement or or the 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 mantra. So uh, I I think that the the going forward that the the question is whether the Donald Trump can uh, fill the expectation that people has about the change and about how to improve Washington if the when the outsiders okay. go in. But that's a big question mark at this point. And I know that it does seem like it's 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 focused too maybe acutely on, on the race issue. But I'm talking from a perspective of a an American citizen who was born and raised as a minority in mm-hmm. the United States and has been aware of and, and kind of even been on the receiving end of these kind of issues. And you look at the campaigns and, and the rhetoric on the Trump side and what his supporters were saying and, and sort of the coded language and even the more explicit language and right. the media listed. He spoke to a very, very sort of dark and to to a lot of people of us, whether we're black, Hispanic, Asians, a kind of scary sort of uh, foreboding tone about if I get in power, I'm protecting you guys. You guys are the ones that have been sort of left behind. And we're not talking about you other guys. And so mm-hmm. that sense, we can talk about the wave and the change and, and people want that. But that you still have over half the country who feel this is still uh, something that is scary and to be worried about. Well... I I tend to agree with you, uh, but you you can rope in the the gender issue, gender issue as well. Yes, uh, I, exactly. I think there's a there's a kind of sense that well, we had eight years of a black president. Uh, his approval rating is pretty high. Fifty six percent. It's certain. Yeah. So it, it's not overwhelmingly uh, kind of the race issues that we've known uh, before. But I think the prospect of eight years of black president and the four to eight years of a female it president... It was too much for this one contingent to be able with to accept. both of them with a very strong liberal agenda. Uh, I, I think taken all together, I think that made uh, uh, people a little bit uneasy and a lot of people couldn't stomach that. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> whether that is necessarily a good or bad thing, I guess, would be a separate discussion to have... Uh, polls were inaccurate. That was something that a lot of people talked about. Uh, it's been more and more difficult to do, do polling these days, and whether it's in Korea or in, 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 in countries like the United States, because of the fact that people don't use landlines. Uh, mm-hmm. People are very uh, much less willing to go on, on record with this. And there's this thing called the shy Trump voter phenomenon, and this is similar to, if you study political science, the Bradley effect, Bradley the, the effect, former right. governor candidate who was black. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'll vote because they didn't want to appear racist in person, but they would never have supported a black mm-hmm. president. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think those are sort of the factors involved as to why the polls sort of missed this. Right. And uh, this time around, I, I, I think I would fault the major news outlets in the U.S., which overwhelmingly supported uh, Hillary Clinton. And, and some, some of the mis- news outlets that I observed was downright nasty against uh, 
the Donald Trump. So in, in that case, I mean, people would be more shy to talk to the media and say, hey, I'm, I'm for Donald Trump because there is a kind of... The atmosphere that was formed that if you're for Trump, either you're uneducated or you're wacko. So I think a lot of people were reserving their right to express themselves until they got to the voting booth and and voted for Donald Trump. And uh, when we talk about then sort of this, uh, I suppose you can call it historic, but it it is unprecedented where we had the first time ever a, a woman who by most accounts even if you hated her, was widely considered the most, if not one of the most uh, uh, highly qualified uh, candidates to ever run for the presidency mm-hmm. with her background and her experience. And then right. you had an individual, you kind of you mentioned from Wacko uh, a couple times, but a guy with no visible experience, and you might point to business experience, but then a lot of people even say, well, that's also in question too as to how successful a right. businessman he was. Uh, it It feels like from... The left, and there was this grumbling that Bernie Sanders was really the guy that could kind of create that excitement and momentum. I'm still skeptical about that. I, I feel like he would not have energized the uh, minority vote to the same extent. It, it would have been the same situation with with going up against Trump and and this kind of white lash that that we're seeing here. But mm-hmm. but the idea that Clinton was old school. She's been around for decades and didn't represent change, I suppose, was the major factor, especially if you talk about the young voters who a lot of them went for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. Right. She personified what Washington is, business as usual, the establishments and all those. Uh, I think that Bernie Sanders, I don't think he would have won if, if he was the uh, Democratic nominees. But uh, one thing to say about Bernie Sanders is that uh, he kind of uh, gave a hint that what might have happened. He He was... Uh, I mean, this is oversimplification, but nothing compared to the Hillary Clinton. But he was a formidable uh, opponent for uh, quite a long period of time uh, because just like Donald Trump was, Bernie Sanders personified outsider and he was uh, uh, not the establishments and uh, he, he represented some of the same concerns and sentiments that Donald Trump kind of right. spoke to. He spoke to the, to the exact same worries about inequality, about how the system is unfair, about how the elites are, are getting away with murder. It was just very different because the policies proposed were, of course, very progressive. And at the same right. time, it did not have that sense of uh, white nationalism about we need our country to be back to where it was uh, element. But again, they were fighting for those same group right. of voters, uh, whether that would have um, meant the, the middle would have had a very difficult choice, I guess, would have been an interesting... Remember thing. in uh, Michigan, uh, when there was a, the, the primaries, the, the Hillary lost to Bernie Sanders, which was an upset. Uh, the Michigan was a safely in Hillary's count all along. And, of course, when that happened, I, I, I think people should have realized that this force of wanting to change and and shunning the 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 Washington uh, the establishments that is the, all the more strong that she should have been prepared for that kind of backlash that kind of dynamics coming from Donald Trump which is a bigger force. Well, it was a democratic election and uh, people have to uh, accept the results and this is a kind of a showcase of american democracy this peaceful transfer of power that i think is mm-hmm. still is a model for for the rest of the world so we'll see um donald trump take office in late january i know this is not necessarily the number one 
agenda item for him. But South Korean relations, how do you, how do you see that happening? North Korean nuclear threats, um, uh, trade issues. Um, is it going to be complicated? Because he said a lot of things that a lot of people are skeptical whether he can really carry through on them, whether it's defense cost sharing, nuclear weapons, or even trade. Right. Uh, first of all, I, I think we got to kind of sift through to what extent of what Donald Trump said during the campaign is a campaign rhetoric and something that uh, 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 he will really put into practice. For example, free trade agreements. Ripping uh, up the chorus FTA. Right. He, he cannot really negoti- renegotiate that. It was passed by the U.S. Congress and has a force of the U.S. law. So at this yeah. point, uh, it's very uh, complicated if he wants to undo that. Oh my gosh, if we have to go through that like investor settlement dispute and like car displacement <laughs> terms right. of negotiations again, that would be crazy. Uh, much easier to scrap the, the TPP. Uh, Which probably would be likely, yes. It probably would be. So at this point, there, there are a lot of uncertainties. In terms of Korean government, uh, probably they'll have to see how much uh, he's willing to push uh, on the rhetorics he kind of lashed out during the during the campaigns uh, about the free trade and lo- about the security issues so uh, th- i i i have this you know conflicts as to uh, whether he would be more of a domestic kind of guy because his isolationism uh suggests that his foreign policy would not be that strong but then he has to go through this period where he has to fill the, the expectation of the people pretty quickly. And if it doesn't happen in domestic sense, yeah. very quickly, and for the U.S. presidents, they have more power in a foreign policy area rather than right. domestic Th- That powers. was the point I was going to make. Is it, He largely won, I think most people can agree, on the domestic agenda, not really on... The, so, like... Every you cynically say every politician breaks their campaign pledges, but they have to choose which ones to do so. I mm-hmm. think um, it'd be a lot easier for him to break the pledge of "oh, we're going to force uh, South Korea to pay up more of their defense costs" than it would be "oh, I'm, I'm not, I changed my mind about building a wall." That would be a much bigger deal than than what he decides to do with. That is with, true, but except that if the domestic situation does not go well, uh, yeah. just like China is doing, there will be a promotion of nationalism, kind of chest thumping to show that he is still the honcho. So that is sort of the scary aspect of it because a lot of people who've been, let's say the people who don't support him have been scared about a uh, Trump presidency is that uh, people point to the Constitution and they look at the the rule of checks and balances and they say uh, Congress has pretty much most, if not all, of the authority for domestic-based decisions, whether it's budgetary discretionary spending, mm-hmm. whether it's um, issues of appoint, he can't even appoint people that, as you say, are wackos because it has to go through uh, a com- confirmation nomination. In that right. sense, the executive branch of Korea is actually quite a bit more more powerful for mm-hmm. for that one individual. So what you're saying is he could then try to stir nationalistic sentiment, go to China and say, we don't like the way you're setting up your currency, we don't like the way you're dumping goods here and we're going to put tariffs all across the board and that would have a severe impact. Right. Uh, that has happened before. I mean, U.S. presidents are uh, uh, known for kind of using the foreign policy tactics to kind of strong right. arm the domestic side. And so, one thing he does have the power to do is drop missiles wherever he wants and that's something that Congress can't really put a check on and that's another scary thing, right? Right, right. So uh, we have to see what kind of uncertainties create that kind of momentum for the, the Donald Trump to go out there and befriend the, the Putin and 
put on a show in a global stage. So I, I think that the, it's a unified government where uh, Senate and, 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 and lower Congress, you have the Republican majority, where I think that probably the, the Paul Ryan has a bigger role uh, in terms of reining in what the president well, would do. Well, the question is whether he will still be the speaker because there's been some murmurings and about purging all of the uh, so-called uh, uh, not-so-loyal uh, <laughs> Republicans from that party. So it, it's going to be a soap opera. Uh, it'll be interesting. And obviously, uh, we do hope that it's interesting, but at the same time, nothing that is too destabilizing, especially for us here on the Korean Peninsula. So true. As always, Professor Song, thank you so much for your analysis, and we, we uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you.